Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to 3 In, 3 Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast. On 3 In, 3 Out, we like to dive deep into the micro moments of the game, the nooks and crannies, if you will, because that's what fanatics do. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me on Twitter at Clinton Bonn. And I'm joined by the great Brandon Schultz and find him at Seahawkers Pod on Twitter. All right, Flock, let's dive into the sober yin and raging yang that is 3 In, 3 Out. Go Hawks. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome to the week one 2020 season of your favorite oddball Seahawks podcast, three in, three out. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Brandon, we got we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today on three in, three out. After a a just a just a just dismantling of this Atlanta Falcons team. How you feeling? How you feeling, Brandon? Dominant win to kick off the season. I love it. When the Seahawks get out to relatively early leads, now they gave it up a little bit getting toward halftime, but then ran away with it in the second half. We didn't need our heart medication in the fourth quarter today. We can we can save that for a game down the road now. I I feel like I'm I'm already banking, uh, you know, heart meds now for the rest of the season. This is good to start off on the plus side of the ledger. It, that's it's a, it's incredibly correct, incredibly accurate. You know, like you just get to keep those extra one or two pills that you didn't have to chop up and take during during it to, to save your heart. And now for the other games that we we know they're gonna we know they're gonna hit. We're not we're not dummies. You know, we we can't just we can't just go all in and think that every game is gonna be this kind of a walk for us because after all, we are the Seattle Seahawks. Things are gonna you know we're gonna regress to the mean in some way, and the heart attacks will come back. However, however, for this first for this first W of the year, it was it was fun. It was polite. It was there were just people. I, I love the fact that you know you could hear the hear the bone cracking, hear the hear the hats cracking, hear the pa- the pads cracking in the empty stadiums, and we just ran away with it. We just we hit the gas and we never looked back, and it was lovely. And and for those. For those who, you know, who are first frequenting three in, three out, well, welcome, you know, welcome into this, this, this crazy train we have here. But we, one thing we're not going to do is we're not going to talk about Russ. We're not going to talk too much. You know, we're not going to talk about Jamal. Like those dudes, we know about who those guys are. This is for, this is to get deeper. This is to go, you know, it's a day or two later. You've already heard all the pundits. You've already celebrated three or four times over. You watched it on, you know, the game day replay. But now we go into the the secondary and the tertiary levels and the micro moments that make up the game. And we talk about those things. And Brandon, we we throw all the rules out the window. We don't really have a lot of rules on three in, three out. We have some guidelines, but we don't have rules, except there's we one. have we do have one rule. We do have one rule. What is it? What is what is the rule? Clinton, when the Seahawks, when they win, we start with an in. We start with an in we start with an in so we are one and oh on the year and we get to start with an in all right brandon so we're starting with an in on this this blowout 38 25 victory over the atlanta falcons and listen 
What I liked about there's gonna be a little themeology going here for you, Brandon. There's there's just there were some themes that that were kind of woven throughout that I I really enjoyed. One of the biggest arcs and biggest themes for me was this idea of redemption, a little redemption song. We saw it you know, a couple times over, and to get into that that first nook, that first in, DK, right? He drops that pass, and it was right in his gut, what, maybe 15, 16 yards downfield, first down, another dime by Russ, and we're, you know, we know what Russ did already. And he drops that pass. We all know about you know, the 40-yarder the or so touchdown a little bit later. However, there's that play kind of sandwiched in between, right? So we're talking at this time, it's third and seven. It's a 14 to 12 game, first drive of the third quarter, third and seven. And DK catches the ball a little bit short of that first down. And Brandon, do you remember what he does? Do you remember what he does in that third and seven play? He he fought through a tackle, reached over the line, and and picked up the first down. It was it was a beautiful reach, and and kept control of the football. Unlike you know some of the guys down on the goal line, and that uh, let's see what was it the Dolphins Patriots game where mm. he, a, a guy attempted a similar maneuver, lost control of the football, and it was a touchback. DK held on, got the first down. It was it was it was just huge, and it was that it started that that redemption for me. I'm like, oh man, the dude is just making up for for you know what was just a just a drop, and and it was just the the sensibility of like you could you would you know everybody's comparing him to to Julio Jones, you know, rightfully or wrongfully so so far. Julio had a big day, of course, but it's these little things that he's doing in the second year, in his second year, where it's like, man, this guy gets the game. And he's and when he reached over and got that, like it was like he's reaching over the pylon. I uh, that was for me one of my first off the couch moments. Fired up because I'm like, man, that is a gigantic play. It's going to keep this keep this drive moving. And it did, and that was the drive that ultimately led up to that deep pass to DK in the end zone on fourth and five for the touchdown. So right. you know, all four of Wilson's misses went going in DK's direction. Uh, probably two of them you could say, well, he should have had those. And the other two are, are you know, you you give him some leeway on those. But DK is going to be fine this year. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I love, you know, I love the idea of, hey, he, he gets eight targets. Lockett gets eight targets. Like, so, you know, this whole offseason, DK has been getting the shine and Tyler's been getting the, you know, hey, like you, kind of a second fiddle almost when I, I still feel that Tyler Lockett's the, the better of the two receivers. And I think, you know, still clearly has the, be- the best hands in the team and probably maybe the best hands in the entire league. And, well, and, and we hey, saw that in the fourth quarter, I think, uh, you know, who Russell Wilson was counting on in, in some of the biggest moments. And they had that that drive where they just went right down the field, you know, from from the 20 yard line. You know, they got almost to the red zone before kicking that field goal that really put it away. And it was Russell to Tyler just multiple yeah. times on that drive. Yeah. And Tyler, you know, I know this is this happens on three and three out. Sometimes people, especially when we win, we start one place. We, we added a little a little bonus, a little side win there. But we're talking DK. We're talking Tyler, you know, Tyler's ability to just to just always find that open spot, always find that zone, find that cushion, be open when Russ needs him. The dude's uncanny that way. So but reverting it back to DK, just giving some love there after a big drop, a third and seven play. This is such a different ball game. Yes, the the end result looks like a blowout. And yes, we blew the doors off in the second half. However, it's the moment like that. It that is such a big first down to get that if we got a punt there, it's just it's just a different ball game. So hat off, you know, hats off to DK on the big stretch, capturing the first in of the 2020 season in the big Seahawks victory. 
All right, Brandon. So on three and three out, we have the sober yin, the raging yang, the whole thing already, you know, where there is the, the, the good side, the bright side. Well, we, we got to talk about some of these warts, some of these things that also kind of just you know, percolated up that was like, all right, although we won this game in, in pretty convincing fashion, some of it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all that hot. It wasn't all just, you know, jazz hands and, and, and flutes. I'm not sure what that means, but it wasn't, it wasn't that. That's all I know. This stems from, I wrote it down while it was happening. And then I watched the Niners Cardinals. And then I watched the Rams Cowboys. My big fear here is that like the Rams can move people on the front line. The Cardinals, eh, a little bit. They did some of that. The 49ers can still move people with their front line and run the ball. The Dirty Birds, the Falcons, you know, I think we got better as the game went on. However, there were some moments where, like, especially to start, you know, early, early in this game where I felt like we were getting blown off the ball the first quarter of this game. And I think if the Falcons were either a little better coached or simply executed a little bit better when they got down to the red zone... This will be a different game. So the out for me is just the basically our defensive tackles just getting blown off the ball with what I think is a pretty mediocre offensive line with the with the caveat that when we play our NFC West rivals, man, oh, man, I think we got to shore that up a bit more. So first out of the season is that interior defensive line getting blown off the ball just a few too many times for my liking. This might be my biggest concern going into this next week against the New England Patriots, because what they were able to do, they were able to hammer the ball up the middle. And if the Falcons, if they would have either had the personnel to do it, I think maybe they don't want to pound Gurley right up the middle of the defense multiple times in this game. The Falcons completely got away from the run. Not a surprise, especially considering just how many points they were down in the second half. So. This is going to be the area to watch. And if they are able to bring somebody in to, to help bolster that interior defensive line, I, I just I don't know if three guys with Puna Ford, Brian Monet and Jaron Reed are going to cut it up the middle. Yeah. And, and, and I think they got better as the game went on. But like you said, you know, the Falcons pretty much abandoned it as well. You know, I did see Puna have a nice kind of crash down the line later in the game. I saw Reed do that as well. And so I was like, all right, they, they started started to you know clog up some of those issues. Yeah. However, it was a different ball game at that point. And, you know, a team like, let's say, Dallas, who has a dude like Zeke with, with an offensive line that can move people, they're not going to stop. They're not they, they could be down 10, but they'll still they'll still feed Zeke, especially if they're having having the kind of success that Gurley was having. Gurley has no knees. Zeke, Zeke has knees. Zeke has a tattoo <laughs> that says feed me. And, it, you know, and he, and he has knees. So so my fear is there. However, there are still some defensive tackles on the market right now. And I think we could use some of those. Go out and get them. OK, Brandon, let me paint the next in for you. It is quarter two. It's early in quarter two. We're up 14 to three. We talked about the redemption song, you know, already the, the arc of redemption. What I liked, again, that I saw here was that either a player like DK before would have the redemption with the stretching out, or if a teammate had, you know, a play where there was a bit of a bit of a mess up, the very next play, the team picked up that player. That's just a sign of a, a really good, really good team. And in this case, I think a fast defense. So Shaq Griffin, he misses a tackle on Ridley early second quarter, 14 to three. Ridley spins out, goes for like 11, 11 more yards, gets a first down. And it's a bit of a head scratcher. And obviously Shaq didn't have didn't have, you know, the, the, his best game. 
And the thing that I really want to focus on is the very next play, the Falcons try to run some jet sweep. I forget exactly who it was to. Maybe it was to Ridley. I don't even know. But Dunbar crashes down the line, blows up the jet sweep, frees up Adams for one of his like a bajillion tackles for a loss. It's the combination the play to me, the in goes to Dunbar. Dunbar has like immediate and really solid recognition just charges down the line, makes him cut inside, and then and that's it. And then Adams, Adams just clearly just does not miss tackles. So it was one of those things where, okay, some of our players maybe didn't have the best game. And every now and again, there was like a tackling issue. It seemed like whenever that happened, the next play, like right in that series, another Seahawk would come up, bring a hat, and stick a dude. It's exactly what Dunbar and Adams did there. And I loved seeing that because that is a different team than what happened last year. So the second in is that kind of resilience between the team as a whole defensively. When there is a missed tackle, they come right back and they get a tackle for a loss. That is huge. Redemption for in number one, resilience for in number two. You better have an R word that works along <laughs> with those two for the in number three, Clinton, because if you don't now, I'm giving you fair warning that you better have it. I got I to gotta do some homework. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it comes down to me, though, for the defense? It's the idea of you know, maybe not resilience, but the idea that even late in the game, they were still playing tough. And you brought up Shaquille Griffin. It was in the fourth quarter that, yeah, he did, maybe didn't have the best game, but they run Hayden Hurst down the seam. And oh, Griffin yeah. is laying out extended with play. the fingertips just off of his fingertips to knock that pass away. You know, if if Hurst catches that ball, he's gone to the end zone potentially, and they're you know, right back into the game once again. And late in the game, it seemed like Matt Ryan was just dumping it off to Edo Smith on almost every single play. And he was getting hammered by Demontre Moore and hammered by Lano Hill. And I, I almost felt sorry for the dude because here he is. He's just at the end of the game trying to get some of these snaps in. And the Seahawks late in the fourth quarter are still bringing the wood on every play. And that's what I really like to see from the defense in this game. I'm smiling ear to ear, ear here for a couple of reasons. The first one is that Shaq play on Hurst. That was on my inside of the ledger. The inside of the ledger was it, it, it overflowed this game. So it was one of those games where you could look at it and be like, all right, there's like 11 or 12 possible ins to shave down to three. And the outs are maybe two to three that might might even be legitimate. And some of them are questionable. So but that play, man, like you said, laid out like Superman. That's a touchdown if he, if he does not does not make that stop. Listen, they are athletic. They're taking their chances. And like you said, they brought maybe I don't know maybe Brandon it's the it's the empty stadiums where you hear all the clicks and the clacks. However, all I know is along with those clicks and clacks were some were hard. It was a hard hitting team throughout the entire game. And Ido Smith he lost his soul like three or four times in this game. I, I I do feel badly because I don't think that dude should play football for a few weeks. He needs some recovery time. That's that's the R recovery. All right, Clinton, we are two ins in and we are one out in and we're going to finish all this off coming up next. All right, we're back on the outside of the ledger. We know it's not the fun side. We understand the fun dip is on the inside. We get this already. However, it's three in, three out. We got to stick to the program. Brandon, one thing that kind of really grinds my gears is when we have opportunities to put games away and we don't do it now in the you know, third quarter, fourth quarter, we did it so that there's, there's not a lot of complaints. There's not a lot of complaints there. However, it was about two minutes to go. 
Q2, so two minute warning, and we get to a second and six situation, and then and then we get the we get the yips, we get the yips, and the 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 play for me that really just like you hit the two minute warning, so you, you break a momentum as it is. You come back from the two minute warning, and you false start. So Mikey Potty false starts coming out of the two minute warning, and it just kind of really just slowed. It just killed the team. It 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 put a cast over our momentum there, and it just shot us down for a bit. And it was really quite annoying. Again, in in an entire game that we won handedly, where we didn't do these things in the third and fourth quarter, where we put a team away. It was still kind of rubbing me the wrong way, heading into halftime. That's like, this game shouldn't even be this close. So Upati's going to wear that that scarlet O. He's going to get it out because you're coming out of a two-minute warning. You cannot be jumping off sides. Come on, man. Yeah, there are some penalty issues in this game. Upati with uh, the jump there. And really, the false start, there were a couple false starts in this game. What the yeah. heck was going on? It's a, it, We were starting to wonder if the crowd noise was really getting to these people. with The, the fake fans uh, causing these false starts as, as sloppy as it was in some cases, but yeah, it, uh, it, it didn't need to happen. Yeah. It just, just, uh, you know, poor, poor execution at some key moments. And that's, that's where we get the ball back and we could re- like you said, make some incredible distance and get the ball to start the second half, which is, that's the, that's, that's why we kick off. I'm, I'm convinced that's why we do that. We like to defer so we can get the ball to be in that position but it didn't work out that time. And like, I'd say a sidecar to that was shell gets blown away the next play. That was one of his turnstile plays. Now credit, credit to the, to the entire O line that the second half, they I thought they played markedly better and they didn't stop passing the ball. Clearly they just, they just kept ripping the entire game, but it was, it was, that's the kind of momentum I'm talking about where you, you get hammered with the two minute warning. That's always a buzzkill. You get a stupid false start and then, you know, and then shell gets blow, blown off the ball. It's like, man, just one after the other. And it takes us out of position. But either way, you know, we go into halftime and we know the second I have this story. So why don't we get back to the fun side of the ledger and get our last in? All right, Brandon, we're back on the inside the ledger for the last in of the week. This week one big, big victory versus the Falcons. So you you put the pressure we had. We had uh, what was it? There was resilience. There was uh, redemption. Redemption. Resilience. Resilience. So this last in, I'm going to it is an R. I'm going to call it replay. So replay. You might be like, what the what the heck do you mean by that? So I got the pleasure of, of my son has gotten into football. So, uh, you know, naturally he's gotten into the Seahawks. He's nine years old. He's really starting to get sports. We had a great summertime. We won a little league, uh, little league championship for our town in, in Westbrook, Connecticut. Yes, we had little league during COVID. It was all good. We wore a mask. Everybody played. It was fun. Took home the championship. So he's really gotten to sports. He's really watching, you know, the games with a lot of curiosity, asking a lot of what I would, what I would classify as good questions. This one was a funny question. So, Brandon, you brought this up earlier when Edo Smith basically died. And, you know, and the replay here is it's now late fourth quarter. They're at the two minute warning. And I'm explaining to my son, you know, if you want if a team, if you're beating a team that bad, let them dink and dunk down the field. And that's what the Falcons were doing. And then, you know, it was what the play coming out of out of the two minute warning. He dunks one to Edo Smith and, and who comes up and wraps him? It's Marquise Blair. Blair just puts a hurting on him as he's being stood up by somebody else. You mentioned more earlier. I'm not sure if it was more just destroys Edo Smith, you know, in one play, the very next play, they basically run the same exact thing. Edo Smith just does like a three yard turnaround, dumps the ball off. He catches the ball, turns around, 
He is smacked this time by Bobby Wagner. My son, who doesn't quite know any better, goes, Dad, was that a replay? And I was like, and I just lost it. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, no, but but that that was to me, that was the the shining moment where, to your point earlier, Brandon, it's two minutes to go in a game. We're blowing a team out, week one, on the road, back-to-back plays, and we are still cracking people because you know, Maddie Mediocre is putting his players in a stupid situation and Ido Smith lost his soul on back-to-back plays. That's a big in. Redemption, resilience, and Ido Smith losing his soul. I, it doesn't even need an R. That just, that's, what, that's what the third thing is. I love it. I feel bad for Ido, but, you know, I, I feel good for our Hawks. All right, so on the last, the last outs, you know, some of these are ticky-tacky. We know this by now. When, when it's a game, when you really handled it quite well, I'm going to lay this out as kind of a blanket. I got to be honest. I'm kind of done with the, with the, with Travis Homer, you know, getting, getting multiple touches. I'll say this specifically. I don't think he's skilled enough to be our kickoff returner. I mm. like, I like David Moore as our, as our punt returner. He did a nice job. That one where he had a chance, the little wiggle got up the sideline for about 10 more yards. Nice job by Moore there who had himself a pretty good game. I'm pretty hard on David Moore and credit where due to dude played a good game. Homer, as a kickoff guy, brings nothing special to the table. Take away the other plays. I don't think he should be our, our, you know, our two-minute drill guy either. However, just on kickoffs, don't we have a guy named Freddie Swain that's got a little more, a little more get up, a little more just like first cut juice where that's what you want when you get maybe two, maybe three opportunities a game on a kickoff to actually take out of the end zone? Don't you want a dude who could take it to the house? And Homer is not that guy. He's going to wear the O. Yeah, if it's between Travis Homer and Tyler Lockett, okay, put Homer out there because I'd Always. like to see I like to see Lockett graduated now to just full time number one receiver status. Yes, it, take him off special teams. That's fine. You're right on target with the the idea of David Moore. I, I just like David Moore with the ball in his hands in sure. space. I mean, if if they were throwing him short, you know, screen passes, that's kind of where I like David Moore's game. And with Homer, you know what? I was saving this. If you were going to ask me what my out was, I, I try and make sure that I have one just in case you throw it to me. And it turns out that Homer was part of this for me because for the Seattle Seahawks, probably the biggest out that, that would go, you know, undiscussed on this show because we are into the nooks and crannies. The sure. fact that they were so poor on third down yeah. in this game, it was it was not pretty. And I think everybody knows that just kind of intuitively from watching this game. But it was one play where Russell Wilson, I think it was even David Moore that was the man who he was supposed to be throwing to on this particular play. And I don't know if he he just wasn't open or if the window just wasn't there for Russ. But then he goes and dumps it off to Travis Homer over on the left side. Homer gets one yard on a third down. And I think it was the one time in the game where Russell Wilson had the ball in his hands on third down. He wasn't sacked. He actually had time to throw it. And he ended up just throwing it short of the sticks and, and hoping someone would make a play. And it, in this case, it was Homer. He just didn't have the room, I guess, to, to either break through the tackle. If there's anything I was disappointed with in terms of Russ in this game, it was that, it was that one check down and it just happened to be Homer on the end of it. Yeah. You know, uh, and, you know, the 31 of 35, the 320 some odd yards and four touchdowns and, and, you know, no, no interceptions. And yet I get it like that. That's that's emblematic of like the the game really did go our way when those are the things that are kind of rubbing you. I just think it's the 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 macro there for me is just listen, Travis Summer is probably a really nice guy. He did some 
okay things down the stretch the end of last year, again, in space. I just don't think he's all that special. You know, I hate to come down on a dude. I want him to be successful, but we got a guy named DJ Dallas who got tons of hype and then, and then, you know, isn't dressed. So yeah. Healthy scratch. What the heck was up with that? I don't know. They, of course, of course, Alton Robinson also a scratch and that was truly a head scratcher. So that was kind of frustrating. I just think there's, there's more dynamic dudes out there than Travis Homer. And uh, yeah, you know, I I started with the kickoff piece, but I'm going to gravitate and just pull it back to he just should not be our two minute drill guy. You know, like, hey, mm. let's credit Hyde. Hyde looked really good in the spells of Carson. And oh, by the way, Carson was six for six catching the ball and, you know, and knows how to block and pick up pick up third down blitzes. So he had a great uh, one handed catch. Yes, and, he did. Down uh, the sideline. Uh, among those six. Left left paw coming out there. And, and we didn't even talk about the screen. We executed Brandon. The moment that screen broke out, and I saw three dudes, you know, his convoy ready, and Carson just by himself waiting for a ball to float down to him. I literally, you know, angels singing. I was like, we did. I knew before it even happened. I'm like, we executed his screen, and then of course it was set up. He just motors down, and, and I think he scores in that play, right? Yeah, and, Carson uh, scored on that play. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was. There was so much good and so much like you know, so much to celebrate for this win. It's so much to celebrate that I'm done with the outside. Let's let's move on. No, I I'm not done with this because <laughs> you know, as as you know, Clinton, our our final out in a win generally morphs into an in, and it was on that screen. I I think Damian Lewis got a hard time in this game because of some of the penalty issues in this game, some of the pressures he gave up. But on that screen, Mm -hmm. go back and watch Damian Lewis. He lays out a Falcons player right on the goal line as Chris Carson's crossing into the end zone. Uh, I love it. I'll go back and check that out. And and I do speaking of kind of that bonus in because when okay, let's put it this way, when we win, we start with an in and, and, and hey, this is our show. So when we win, we're going to give you a bonus, too. I do want to give a little bit of love. I just want to say that, hey, getting Will Disley back out there, I know he wasn't, you know, majorly involved, but just getting Disley out there, getting him a couple of receptions, bringing him back into the fold where Hollister's getting getting balls. Olsen's looking good out there scoring a touchdown and Disley coming off of an Achilles. That's just my bonus in to say, welcome back, Uncle Will. All right, Brandon, we know why we're all here. This is the, the fun part. We did the three ins. We did the three outs. However, this was created always for, you know, the, the, the members of the flock, the folks that are the Seahawkers pod ring of honors, the folks who listen to you and your pod on field goals all the time. We have this amazing discord set up so that every game the members of the flock can get together and discuss. So we have this section where the ins and the outs come from the peanut gallery, which is the flock, the crowd. So we got a couple lined up. Why don't you take it away? One of our one of our buddies from you know across the sea over in Hong Kong, they kind of thrilled us out of the gate. What do you got? Yeah, we switched over to Discord this year at gettingtheflock.com. Everybody who donates $3 and above at uh, at our Patreon website there, Do it. they get into that group. And it's it's been fun switching over to Discord. We did Slack last year. We discuss the game as it goes on. We also collect some of those ins and outs as as, as we prepare for this show, Clinton. And Hong Kong Hawk, he, he came through with one of my favorite ins of the day. And he says, nooks and crannies, my ass. Jamal Adams in, 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 in a five inner. 
Yeah, he had the five in there. He's completely right about it. I flagged him on Discord and said, dude, that is hysterical. So we got to start there. Like if there was an in and out for the flock in and out, well, Hong Kong Hawk takes it with nooks and crazy, nooks and crazy my ass. I, I love it. Great job, Hong Kong Hawk. Well, because I think we're all thinking it on a on a game like this. Like, how do you not give an in to Jamal Adams on his first game in a Seahawks uniform and and plays the way he does? I know uh, I think Lisa was one of the ones suggesting, you know, can we can we send more draft picks to the Jets now just as a way to say thanks? You know, maybe we didn't give you enough because this guy is awesome. I loved his, you know, his post-game commentary where he's like, well, I wasn't bored, right? So, like, just throwing shade right back at the Jets. I'm, remember, I'm from Long Island. I grew up surrounded by Jets fans. I have a, a real strong sports hate disdain for the Jets. So, to see Adams come out and do what he did, it's just, it's one of those things where you see the dude on film and you're excited about him. And then you see how he impacts your team. And you're like, holy Hannah, like, that dude was everywhere he's, he's he's omnipresent doesn't matter like if he's lining up basically as a, as a you know defensive lineman it doesn't matter if he's if he's back you know off the screen when the play starts or he's in the box that dude is around the ball all the time so he just he just makes this team it is such a different unit with him there so hey that's a that's a lot of time to spend to say boy oh boy do we love that in all right, Brandon, so some outs also. So Flocktimus, so uh, of course, Keith Ketover, he's talking about Damian Lewis with the rookie penalties. And also Jason Bonnert, he also came in and said, you know, hey, three three penalties for Lewis. He's like, granted, he's a rook, but he also, you know, he also was, was getting flagged a little bit there. For me, I, I don't know how you felt. I was like, you know what? I think he actually caught a little bit of you know, if there were if there was any ire, he seemed to catch quite a bit of it. However, I'm going to go back and watch that screenplay again, Brandon, just watch Lewis pancake a dude at the goal line so I could rid rid this out. But, you know, once again, from the flock, calling Lewis out for too many penalties on, in his rookie debut. Yeah, I think the frustration really was that one series at the end of the third and going into the early part of the fourth quarter, they cross midfield down to the 30-yard line of, of the Falcons. Then you have Damian Lewis, false start. They go back five yards, okay. Then Greg Olson, false starts. Go back another five mm-hmm. yards. And then Damian Lewis has a holding penalty. Yeah. And yeah. they go back 10 yards, and it's second and 29. And the, the ability for the Seahawks to, and Russell Wilson, to find Tyler Lockett yes. on second and 29, to find Freddie Swain, the rookie, on third and 19 for 17 yards, to put them in position just to kick a field goal in that situation. Uh, that That's not what we're used to from the Seahawks. It's second and 29, how many draw plays did we see, especially go back two years? It's screaming draw play right there where we get three or four and it's third and forever. And then we do something else dumb and a bubble screen for three more yards and we punt the damn ball. So it's one of those things where, you know, the, the creative destruction of some stupid penalties. And then we're in the second and 29 and it's like, wait a second, we can go back and get 16 right here from, from, from Lockett. And then we can go get the, the Swain play and, we, and away we go, away we go. We got, you know, we got Myers and we go get three more. So, you know, from, even from these stupid outs, we're, we're coming up, we're coming up roses. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Got an in here from John Ryan's face on Discord, <laughs> Ethan Posick at center. And I, I thought for Ethan's first game starting the season, going into this year, not having Justin Britt at center for Russell Wilson, I was really curious to see how this was going to go for Ethan. And I thought, you know, he didn't grade out all that great uh, as far as PFF goes, but they, you know, historically dislike 
Seahawks offensive linemen when it comes to <laughs> grading them. So I take that with a little bit of a grain of salt, I suppose. But Posick, I think he on the day he had he allowed two pressures. And for me, it was it was good enough. He was the other guy that was helping lead Carson in the end zone on that screen pass. And it just nothing jumped out at me as being overly negative. He didn't have any penalties on the day on the offensive line. So apart from, I think, Dwayne Brown, he was the only starter that didn't have a penalty on that group up front. So uh, for Ethan Posick, uh, let's give him the in. Yeah, I'm with you because for me, centers are like, you know, you didn't show you didn't show out negatively. You know, you weren't you weren't getting bowled over by some defensive tackle like, hey, things might change when it's Aaron Donald. We'll see how that goes. And if you watch some of the Dallas game, he just did. He did what Aaron Aaron Donald does. But I'm with you. I think he just he played. I thought he played a competent game. He was he was quiet. And I mean that like no flags. And again, that second half. They, were, they played pretty clean, man. Russell had time, and we all know that Russell doesn't need a lot of time. He needs a little pocket to step into, a little thing to escape to, a little, you know, a little side shoot that he can get out of so he can, he can throw on the run. They did enough of that. Now, the one thing is, I think Atlanta is going to be a bottom 10 football team when it's all said and done this year. Maybe they get back to like a 7-9 and nine level or 8-8 eight and eight level. I don't think they're any better than that. Let's see what happens against the better competition. But hey, we don't make our schedule. Okay, got an out from Lisa in Seattle. She goes, she goes by Decaf Metcalf Fan Club on Discord. She goes, the only out I got, Clinton, is that Russ got beat up a little bit. Which, you know, Russ did take a couple of licks, but yeah, I guess when you throw the ball 35 times and run a couple times, it's going to happen. Uh, there, there were some moments, I think, where Grady Jarrett came around the edge and yep. uh, got him a couple times. But maybe my expectations going into this game versus what actually happened. I, I thought it it washed out for for what I for what my expectations were, especially yeah. with so many question marks on the offensive line. Yeah, I didn't think beat up too badly, you know, too too badly. And, and I think Lisa framed it up. She's like, hey, that's the only one I got. She's, she's digging for an out there while, <laughs> while, we, while we kick the, the, the poop out of the Falcons. So we feel you, Lisa. We understand that. You know, while we're while we're really digging for outs in this game, Clinton, Jason Bonner comes in with an out saying the lack of touchdown dances. Russell Wilson throws mm. four touchdowns in this game. Now, if that touchdown to DK Metcalf on fourth and five was not worthy of an end zone celebration that we're used to seeing from our receivers, then then when else is there time to celebrate that? I think Jason's onto this something that, that gets an out. Yeah, I, I feel that. And another another one here, this is a, I'd call it a bit of a snarky in from Daniel Weinholz over on the Seahawkers pod ring of honor. He says, in, Metcalf caught four of eight targets. All four of Russell Wilson's incompletions were to DK. Great job catching those four passes. The other four were on Russell. He should have ran up the field and placed them gently into DK's hands. This is yet another example of why Russell will never get an MVP vote. Daniel, you are so wrong. It's, I feel so right. Daniel's right on with that one. If DK is going to drop these passes, you hand deliver them. <laughs> That's on you. Even in this, uh, you know, social distancing, no, no touch society we're currently in. Who cares? Give him the damn ball right you now. Hand it to him. We talked about it, but we didn't recognize him. So give him a shout at Mickey Swank on Twitter. Out the series with three straight offensive penalties for like minus a billion yards. Yeah, yeah, that it happened. That that was that was a drawback, you know. And and we're and we're moving on. But but Mickey's a great dude out on Twitter. Say hello to the guy. 
Another another fun person in the Seahawkers uh, pod ring of honor is Vincent Parker. He's also a really good artist, by the way. He does kind of these awesome like wood carving with these. I'm not sure if it's oil, if that's if that's his medium, but quite a good artist. So if you check check out some of Vincent's stuff, he's he's definitely he's got his he got he has his own look and his own feel to his stuff that I really appreciate. And and in that I really appreciate. He gave me three, three ins, three outs. Not going to go through all of them. Some of them are quite funny. However, he did call out Lano Hill. We didn't talk at all about Lano Hill. He mm. certainly was kind of a a goat, not 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 the good kind of goat, a goat ending last year's we kind of secondary. We did talk about him taking a piece of Edo Smith's soul at, at one point. We did talk a little about, about him, yes. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so it's see, un- another redemption moment <laughs> for Lano Hill. <laughs> Bring it back. But Lano made a couple of nice tackles. He made a couple of just... The nice plays were like last year, he was either out of position or just didn't close on a guy. And I know for, for again, it's like, it's like when I give credit to David Moore, I'm usually hard on, hard on David Moore. Got to do the same thing here. Vincent does it for us. I appreciate that. Leno Hill played a pretty good game. Maybe it's a factor of having, oh, I don't know, better talent all around him. And that's a great thing for our Hawks. But Hill getting beat by Julio down the field. I yeah, think that's, that's where everybody noticed him. And Pete Carroll even took notice because he mentioned it, I think, in his Monday appearance on 710, saying where the team got beat deep on at least one occasion that was not acceptable. And you can tell there's moments that really get you into Coach Carroll's doghouse. And I think back to Tedrick in that week one win over the Bengals last year where he misjudges the play and the ball goes over his fingertips. And so I think Pete's going to take notice of of what Hill did on that particular play. But leaving him back out on the field, it, it did allow him to get some redemption. Yeah. And, and at the same time, like, and I get it, I, I, I get it. And, and, and Pete, that's like his biggest thing is like, don't, don't let someone come over the top on you. And I totally get that. At the same time, we are talking about a first ballot hall of famer who's still, who's still bawling out, right? Oh, like, sure. Yeah. Leo Jones is, is that's why I wasn't too so upset good. about Dunbar getting correct, correct. beat up a uh, little bit early on in this game too. I'm with you. You got Julio and you got Ridley. And, and I don't think people realize that, that Ridley is kind of like the, the Godwin this year of like the Mike Evans guy. Godwin situation. Mm-hmm. Like I would not be surprised whatsoever at the end of this year, uh, Ridley and Julio stats are pretty identical and Ridley has more touchdowns because he gets the more, he just gets more red zone targets. We're talking, this is probably, you know, this might be the best one, two wide receiving, you know, troop we're going to see best receiving combo. We're going to see maybe this entire year. I mean, sure, they're not the San Francisco 49ers wide receivers, but they're pretty good. Uh, what do you mean the best we're going to see? We're going to be able to watch the wide receiving tandem of Lockett and Metcalf the entire season. Every single week, we're going to get to watch the best two players uh, through, just throughout the year. Yes, but thankfully, just like the pre the quote unquote preseason, we don't play ourselves. So, they, you know, that was the But but I, I do hear you and I do feel you and, and I love it. Speaking of I got one more one more. One more in for us that I think we got to gravitate towards. And by the way, you know, hit, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Clinton Bond. Brandon, what's your Twitter handle? At Seahawkers Pod. There you go. So like during the games, you hashtag it 3i30 out on Twitter or fork over a couple of dollars. It's, it's the best money you're ever going to spend. Get into the Seahawkers Pod Ring of Honor. Then you get your invite to the Discord so you can have these awesome conversations and just hashtag things 3i30. In fact, there's an entire channel, which I'm very humbled by, dedicated to three and three out. So during the game, people could put their, their thoughts over there and we could recap them for you. But how, however, this last one out on Twitter, Christopher Rolf, all the way over in Germany at Agent of Bolas. He goes, he adds both of us and says, in 
to let Russ cook and no huddle offense. That's exactly what the doctor ordered. You know, the, the let Russ cook, uh, you know, vibe. It's hitting everywhere. It is a movement. It's out there. Now, I'm always one to say, hey, the Sobrian, the Raging Yang. Let's see what happens versus the Patriots. Let's see. Let's see if we just go balls to the walls and throw the ball 35 times against Belichick. I <laughs> bet we're going to see something different. So for all the let Russ cook love out there, which I do love, I just say temper it a little bit because if Russ throws the ball more than 28 times next Sunday night, I'll be very surprised. Well, let's close this out. If you're going to finish with uh, Christopher and an in, uh, why don't we go to Amy and Squim? And sure. I, I don't know if we've even discussed this guy yet, but Jamal Adams in. I mean, I mean, is there much else that needs to be said? The dude comes no, in it? one game in and the dude's a game wrecker. The dude's an absolute game wrecker. He changes this team overnight. And now with a couple of, you know, just a couple of pieces that we put in put in place middle of last year, all the way through, you know, through this offseason. Brandon, I'm feeling pretty good about this team. I know it's week one. I know the Falcons are not, you know, not not top dogs, but but right now I'm feeling it feeling it I'm, I'm looking forward to feeling it again against the patriots coming up for the the first home game as the the seahawks get back to century link field can't wait yes and with that there's only one thing left to say go hawks go hawks